landing pages actually have a better conversion rate than our actual website. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and we're in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn the most effective way to achieve balance when running multiple businesses, the pros and cons with creating and selling an app with your physical product, and the difference between a landing page versus a product detail page and when you should use which. Before we get into our show, I want to share a strategy some businesses are using to help manage cash flow during COVID-19. They're selling gift cards. Gift cards give customers a way to support you right now. We've seen some creative ways to market them, like selling gift cards at a discount, giving special offers for customers who redeem them in the future, and adding free gift cards to high-value cards as a bonus. As part of Shopify's response to COVID-19, gift cards are now available on all Shopify plans. So you can start selling them right away. For more information, visit shopify.com slash gift card. Today, I'm joined by Will Torres from Zeno Gym. Zeno Gym is the most versatile equipment in home fitness, built strong and sleek to blend into any lifestyle and design to fit into every routine. And we're starting in 2020 and based out of San Diego, California. Welcome, Will. Well, thanks for having me. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. So I said here that your business is starting in 2020, but you have an interesting story about how it kind of all got kicked off. So tell us more about the background behind the business. Yeah, well, um, it, it is an interesting story. We, um, you know, at the time during uh, late April, we were all, I think the whole world was in, in um, was shocked by what was happening with, uh, with COVID. And, um, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my time, both my businesses, both my businesses at the time were hit very hard. I was in the hospitality and then also in travel accessories and uh, both had come to a halting stop. And so I, I was trying to, you know, figure out how was I going to not only for myself survive, but have our employees at our factory survive when we were making, um, we had the factory that would make contract furniture for hotels, hotels were closed down. And so we were simply just trying to find a means to, to stay alive and pay our bills and, and pay our employees. And so um, my partner and I got to work and it was a lot, a lot of nights and we we're trying to figure out how were we going to keep the factory busy? What industry, what industries were, were staying busy? And I know for myself, the gyms were closed and I was um, actively going to the gym every single day. And so I, I, I really wanted to get into this space. I didn't know how, I didn't know anything about it. So the first step I did was go on Amazon and look at look up items that I could possibly manufacture ourselves. You know, we have a local manuf- a local factory in um, in Tijuana, Mexico, which is about twenty five minutes south of downtown San Diego, where I reside. And so, listen, we have we have these resources for upholstery, wood, and metal. How can I utilize this? And so, um, started scouring the web. And I realized that I had some dumbbells myself, so I could, I could, um, you know, I could myself get some fitness in workout if I had like a bench I could use. So I was like, well, why don't I, uh, make, make benches? Like I can do that. I have the, the resources I can easily go down and have our engineers. And that was my, uh, my thought on Monday night of, um, the week of the 28th of April, 2020. And so on Tuesday, I went down the factory, I worked with the engineers and, um, I, we designed this bench together. And so come Wednesday, um, I had the bench in my possession. We had made a sample. My partner and I were like, why not? What do we have to lose? Like how many of these do you think you can sell a week? And I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe like 20 or 30. And he was like, you're doing the math. If we run at this number, sell them at these numbers, we can possibly help with some of our expenses because, you know, with our Mexico facility, we have 200, 240 people down South at the time and with no PPP money, no support from the government. And, um, so we, we were, we were on our own really. And so, um, that Wednesday I had the bench and then, um, I took some images from of myself working out to my house and I, I knew how to navigate through Shopify. I, my other business was a travel accessory called Toro Bracelets, and so I knew how to how to um, how to make a website very simply and easily on Shopify, which is a, a great tool. And then I knew how to 
build some ads and uh, work the local agency that we could, um, you know, run some ads. And it simply was just taking pictures of myself moving furniture. And so, um, at that time, you know, masks were, you know, heavily sold and I didn't want to get in that rat race. So I was like, this is something different, unique. I think people can, would be interested in it. And, uh, to, to my pleasant surprise that Friday morning is when we, we launched, um, when our back row up against the wall, complete desperation, the hell Mary pass. And, uh, that first day we had three orders and I was like, wow, this is, it worked. You know, we, we had this, even though we had, you know, low quality ads and a, and a very, you know, janky website, it worked. And then on Saturday we had 3000 worth of revenue. And then that, that second day I knew that we were on to something. And so that was really the, um, that's how we started complete desperation. Your backs up against the wall. And, you know, those times have really, I guess, to reveal that you, your, your true character. And those are the make it or break it very creative moments when you're, um, and when your backs up against the wall. So we were, we're very lucky and blessed to have the resources and, and, um, and, and everything set up to, to make this happen. Wow, that, that's an amazing story. And you kind of alluded to this, which is that I've heard of other businesses, mostly like in an apparel space that pivoted to like masks, for example, during uh, the the, the pan, uh, during the height of the pandemic. But I haven't heard of a drastic as a pivot as uh, as your business, basically entering a brand new a uh, brand new category um, that you hadn't been in before. So, you know, hearing you talk about it, you've already had a lot of experience kind of starting and balancing multiple businesses. And now the speed of launching was something that I think you can speak to specifically. But before we get to the the speed, I want to talk about the, this, these multiple businesses that you're running. How are you able to kind of balance launching and running so many businesses at the same time? Well, at the, uh, I had no intention on starting another business. It was never my intention because it, it does run thin. You know, when you have two, at least two, it, it, it's very tough. And I always ask myself and, and try to um, balance myself as well because it can get out of hand long, early mornings, you know, restless nights. Um, but I think with, uh, with that said, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. I was you know, vice president of sales for the, the furniture manufacturing business. And then I was about to launch this travel relaunch our, our wallets from travel business. And then the pandemic hit. So like at that time, I really wasn't doing anything. So it was either I was, um, you know, what was I going to do with my time? Was I going to, you know, watch TV and more Netflix or, you know, drink myself away? Or was I really going to get to work and try to figure this out? And so, you know, I decided on the ladder. And I, we started another business. So um, during that time um, in the growth of with, with Zeno, I positioned myself at the end of last year to hire on another person who was my mentor in the furniture manufacturing business. So I'm, I'm separating myself from the furniture manufacturing business, but we're still very close because, you know, of course there are a manufacturer when it comes to these benches, but now I'm, I'm solely focused on, um, on Zeno gym. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for my, my past experiences with, with Toro bracelet and the manufacturing, I wouldn't have this opportunity that I have today. So, you know, I, I learned a lot, you know, and we always hear that, you know, you don't fail, you, you have experiences and that's truly the case in my, in my scenario. Um, you know, I don't consider Zeno a failure because of the pandemic, you know, slowing out, slowing that down. Um, but it was a godsend opportunity with, with Zeno because I don't think I would have had the success nor the trajectory of, of our success if it wasn't for um, you know my for the pandemic. So I, I'm I'm blessed. Mm. We're blessed. Yeah, that makes sense. Now I want to talk about the the experience uh, with launching, especially at the speed that you you had to to do it. Talk to us more about what did you learn about getting things out into the market this this quickly. Um, you, you have to keep on evolving. I mean, it, it's, it's a non, it's always all day, you know, just the growth at which we did, um, was, was really remarkable. Um, but the operations, it was tough. And especially when you're trying to evolve um, and innovate the product. So when we first launched, it was simply a, a padded bench. And what you see today is a completely different item with new materials, um, and not something that we you know, really had um, the best 
um, product development going into it. So it was a combination of, you know, getting your better quality content out there, getting better ads, getting a high converting website. Um, that was on the front end, but on the back end, you have logistical, you know, op- logistical hurdles, which we are doing everything. So from taking in customer service inquiries, sales, um, manufacturing, fulfillment, packaging, we were doing everything and then setting up all the operations. So, um, at the same time, we're taking, you know, 50 to hundred orders every single day. So it was a lot to, to start. I remember the time actually it was, it was difficult, but, um, the momentum was undeniable. We, we had to, we had to do whatever it took to, to, um, to make it happen. So, you know, move fast. And luckily, like I said, with, with the experiences that I have my previous businesses and the resources I had available, I have a, a pretty good network. I remember having calls with, um, you know, some of my friends who own, you know, shops as well, you know, Pure Vita Griffin, he's helped me out a lot. And a couple other guys that really just like, what should I do at this point at this speed? And, you know, focus on creating your own content. Don't let anyone do that. Working with agencies, not working with agencies. So, you know, just having the experience and, and good network really helped me pave the way and navigate our ship. Yeah, given even the, the, the network and experience you have, I, I think one um, maybe biggest uh, or a big nugget that came out of this was probably understanding what kind of fat to trim out of the the launch process. And I think a lot of times, especially newer entrepreneurs, it can can overcomplicate uh, what it takes to to get out there. When you look back on it now, given the the limited the the, the urgency that you had to to launch. And maybe compared to other businesses that you had in the past that maybe had a longer, uh, I don't know, runway to to get going. Were there things that you realize now, like, you know, it's not really necessary for for a launch or at least can be can wait until till later, um, given, again, the experience of having to get something to market so quickly? Oh yeah. I'm the best Monday morning quarterback you'll ever meet. And I think about that all the time. So there certainly are a list of items. Um, you know, early on, we knew that we had a one-time purchase business and we were selling a lot of these benches. And so, um, the number one, the number one question we had is how do you necessarily get the most out of it? How do you use it? Because it is a pioneered product. And, um, so right then and there, I wanted to get the foundation of our subscription model going. So we put a lot of effort into getting a subscription model going. I wanted to do it fast because of, because of how fast we were moving. But, um, if I had to do it all over again, I maybe would have allocated and walked a little slower at the application process, because since the first time we've uh, launched the app, we've actually moved over to two different companies. And now we're at a place where we're like, we're very confident in in the product as opposed to just launching something up. So, you know, speed to market is, is important, but having the best quality product, I think is even more important. So um, I think my impatience and that fact got the best of me. And when I could have found a better, the best partner for us in that, in that app space and that, in that subscription model, um, I would have probably allocated towards more of the brand community building, um, but yeah, that, that's probably the, that's the first thing that comes to mind because, you know, you're, you're trying to establish, you know, of course, keep revenue high, um, you know, be profitable, continue with customer service and get, get out orders and then establish a brand. And then also another product, which is, you know, the trainers and getting subscription, doing the live streaming, you know, following the Peloton model. So we, we definitely bit off a lot. Um, but I would have walked a little slower when it came to the subscription model. Yeah, we, we you kind of um, alluded to this, but we haven't mentioned yet. So it's not just a a uh, workout equipment; it's also an application app uh, for iOS and also Android that that comes with it. When you were in the process of uh, launching the 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 equipment and then also the app, did it make it harder to a harder sell when you're basically selling you know hardware and software essentially at the at the same time? Yeah, you're essentially selling two different products. So, you know, you think you have someone down the bottom of the funnel because they should purchase the bench. But, you know, the end goal, the true bottom of the funnel is getting them subscribed and getting them, you know, into the that model and having that reoccurring revenue. So, 
you know, our conversion rate has been fluctuating between 50 to 60% of bench purchases that sign up for the app. Um, so yeah, you're, you're essentially selling more, but also it's our job to make sure that the value of the app only entices it too. So we, you know, our subscription is very affordable when compared to everyone else. Um, but you are selling another product too. So it does bring in a, a level of, uh, creativity and, and more work essentially, um, not only building out the content, you know, recording the content and doing all that stuff. Like you got to recruit have the trainers build a program, record, and make it look nice and then develop it in production studios and, and, and making the videos and uploading it, making sure it's seamless with the checkout process, which is probably the toughest thing in the, in the whole, in the whole formula is like making sure that the customer checks out when they check out, they're able to use that same checkout information and um, for the purchase of the subscription too. So you're buying two products, but you want to make sure that you get them at that time because then you have to start all over again in the whole conversion process. So that was, you know, most of our, um, our time in trying to figure this out because it is a very complicated process. We have a one-time and subscription model in play. That, that's an interesting point about how ideally you bundle it together. The, the purchase is a bundle, the, the equipment plus the, the membership. Uh, but you're saying sometimes if you miss that opportunity, you have to go through, you know, almost start from scratch to get them to be willing to pull out their wallet again to to make a, another payment, even though it's so significantly cheaper to to for the, the membership compared to the initial um, equipment purchase. You're absolutely right. And then, and then there's other variables that go into play to it too, because you, you use uh, a reoccurring subscription app to, to comp to get that. And you have Shopify, you know, merchant, and then you have a firm. So you have three different merchants and and you're trying to get them to all play together. Plus you have the hosting of the app too. So you're talking to four different entities and trying to get them to get the API synced up with it. So it's a very custom um, mixed and we still haven't got it. So, you know, for example, if you come to our, our bench right now, our number one selling bench is the, the bench pro bundle with the squat board. And that's a thousand dollar product. And so a lot of people want to finance that, which they should. So you have, you know, over a third of people that want to finance, but you can't, we can't have a reoccurring subscription product when you finance because that's going through a firm. So you, you're trying to navigate and build out flows for those people, um, and it's, it's complicated, you know, Peloton's done a great job, but they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on their own system built when we're trying to do it bootstrapped overnight, you know, with the resources that we have. So it's been a challenge, but we've, we've done a great job to where we're at today. And, and are there ways to, and as you're going through this, to encourage that kind of bundling so they check out with both at the same time? Like, what what's the that flow like so that you can catch them on that, or rather, uh, get them to convert on that first um, that that first conversion? Great, great question. You know, you first you got to hit them with an ad. I think that that shows them what the value is, and then once you get them on the website, you know, always be, always be visible. And then what's worked for us best is that when you, uh, either we're on mobile on the website, there's a side cart that pops out and we put there, when you add something to cart, say, you know, a bench pro, you add that to cart automatically underneath it appears, you know, add to cart button free 30 days trial on our app add it for free. So that feature comes on there, which is a custom feature that one of our developers done, right? He's the man. Um, and that when you just one click from, um, you know, add to cart and that automatically adds it to your cart too. So you want to make it as fluid and as easy as possible. We thought about actually, you know, putting it as a requirement to buy our benches, but then that lowered our conversion rate we saw too. So, you know, it's all about testing, you know, we're going into this uncharted waters with you know, really no knowledge or data behind it. So we've been testing how much, you know, the, the app subscription, when we should insert it into the, the buying journey how we should have it. Um, so there's a lot of testing that we go into this blindly, but throughout it, we're learning a lot more. So we, but we're finding that on the side cart, add to cart button that pops up in there automatically works best for us. And then you always want to sell the annual subscription too, instead of the monthly, the retention rate on that is a lot, is a lot higher. Um, so that's, that's our goal too, is always getting the annual subscriptions up and that's, you know, uh, more of a, a purchase for them, but it's a greater value as well. 
Got it. And when they when they are converting when they first purchase the the equipment, what's what's the strategy to get them to sign up for the the membership after that? Um, post purchase, post purchase is huge for us. Um, post purchase flows, and that 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 works. So the emails with Clavio, we have a, an email guy, Kean, who who is a very experienced. Um, he, we have we hit him with that first, and then we hit him with um, once you receive the product. We have a lot of uh, sales material that comes with the bench with QR codes that show, hey, and um, you know, sign up for the app. Here's a QR code you can download at the App Store, or the Google Play Store, and then it has a list of workouts, a booklet of workouts, also reiterating, um, you know, the, the the level of workouts from hit to the recovery to mobility, strength training. So we want to hit them as much as possible with the retargeting of this subscription. Makes sense. Okay, so now I want to jump back to the 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 beginning. So you had the manufacturing, you had the manufacturing figured out. You had some of the the um, equipment made and available for purchase. You mentioned uh, you already hit a couple thousand in revenue just in that first few days. Did it kind of just take off from there? Talk to us about like the trajectory that happened from the the launch. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting market. It was uh, I think the first month we did you know several hundred thousand, and the second month we doubled that, and then I believe in like July we we got nearly a million sales, which was remarkable because you know never did we expect that was going to be the case. Um, so yeah, that was you know that was tough for the factory too because we still had orders for furniture, but. Um, and then also, you know, we were concerned about shutdowns with factories as well too. So, um, that, that took a toll a little bit. And, um, at that time we started incorporating, uh, resistance bands into our benches. And I remember one run I went on that time. That was the only thing we could really do outside of working on a bench is going on a run. And I knew that we could evolve the product into having resistance band play into it. And everyone was buying resistance bands. So that's when we incorporated resistance bands and we started sourcing those. Um, we did that from China. And I that was probably one of the, my, my biggest challenges up in the beginning um, because we we're scaling so fast. I wanted to get resistance bands. So we started ordering resistance bands by the container from China. And at that time, so was everyone else in ordering everything. And we unfortunately had one container fall in the water at that time. And that was just lost money for us and lost time. So I really started focusing on never sourcing from China again. You know, I, I just didn't want to deal with it. And, then, and I think the biggest asset, or I know our biggest asset in this business is the Mexico manufacturing. And so at that time, I was like, all right, no more China we're going to make our own resistance bands. And that's what we started doing. We, 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 now we're hundred percent, um, solely, hundred uh, percent vertically integrated. We don't source anything from China. We make our own resistance bands, but we, you know, we kind of learned the hard way. Um, and that was you know the biggest hurdle for us, but it's been the, the blessing in disguise because now that forced us to make our own resistance bands and be completely dependent upon ourselves. Hey, what was going on this time? Because you mentioned basically, it sounds like thousands of these uh, packages sold within within months, like every single month. And you had these kind of supply chain headaches and issues. Like, what was the customer experience? Like, how did you make sure that that the customers are as impact as little as possible? Well, it was it was definitely frustrating when you see customers, you know, complaining on social media, which is so easily, um, you know, they they can do it very easily. Um, and then they're only complaining about one reason. So, you know, you have a good product, but they're complaining about delays, delays, delays. And we're just like, wow, why is this happening to us? And it's, it's even more frustrating because it's something that you can definitely accomplish, but it's, you know, these resistance bands that are being the issue and you have to be proactive. I think the first step is to be proactive, let the customers know. And yeah, they may say something, you know, not so flattering on, on Instagram or via email, but if you get them on a phone call and you explain this, this circumstance, chances are they're going to be, they're going to have a lot of empathy and they'll be okay. They just want to know that there's a real person behind it. There's a humanizing aspect to it. And they can several times where like, I personally had to send a message to, you know, a segment of people that were delayed and, you know, give my condolences and sorry and, and sorry for the inconvenience, but just being proactive and getting, pushing your face out there. I can, I think that human aspect really softens them up and says, Hey, this is, you know, 
uh, struggling. This is a new company struggling during a very difficult time. And I, I, they understood once we started imp- implementing those practices. That makes sense. Did you already have a customer service team ramped up for that? Like, how were you able to make sure that you were responding to these, these, um, you know, upset customers as quickly as possible? Yeah, we did. We actually had a customer service team and we actually had a couple of people that worked at Beachbody, which is interesting enough because they have a call service there. And so we had a couple of people that worked there. So they knew the experience, they knew the customer journey. And we, we kind of took the blueprint from, from what Beachbody had done and taught them. So we had a phone calls set up and they can call our customer service line um, and they can simply just go outside and look and see their, see their order. And check. So that was great. And also another thing that really worked for us was, you know, hiring someone on Upwork that would, you know, just monitor the um, the social media comments because there there were a lot and there still are. Um, and those aren't, you know, going through our traditional email or phone calls, but are very important as well because they see people see ads, customer new customers see ads, and there's you know comments on there. So Upwork. Um, really helped us when we weren't in the office during those off hours when people were on their phones and commenting on stuff. So it's it's a twenty four seven job. Yeah, that's that's definitely an aspect that I think is um, underlooked at when it comes to customer service. Just people writing comments on on your ads, or even like maybe an influencer, somebody posts a, a picture of your your product, and it's just so many different areas, so many corners that a lot of people can develop opinions, or prospective customers can develop opinions. Is there a like a, a playbook that that you go by, to, or or even like apps or tools that you use to make sure that you're able to stay on top or rather your team members are able to stay on top of, of any social media comments and, and, and ways for you to reply back to the, to the customers or prospective customers. You know, we, um, Slack has been great for us. We have our fulfillment team all on Slack. So throughout the day when our Upwork team is responding and, and um, responding to messages, they're slacking our team for customer inquiries. So, you know, whenever our team gets in the office at 6 a.m. here in uh, here in California, they um, they look at those messages and they respond to those people. Um, there's been other, there's other tools that we've been hit up on, but right now we're we're you know comfortable with with the Upwork team as well as um, with Slack and communicating. So that 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 Slack channel is constantly um, being being used, and it picks up everything from Facebook messages. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, the, the, the Upwork team has access to all our social platforms and then just filters it all through our Slack channel, which is then responded to by our, um, our customer service team. And, and you, do you have, do you play a part in, in, I guess the messaging to, to, uh, to these comments, especially maybe more of the common, um, complaints or reasons why customers are upset. Are there ways that you found works well? Cause you mentioned just being honest and upfront about how you're a brand new business and there's, you know, they, they understand that it's a time for that a lot of businesses are, are, are struggling. Is that what you, you would lead with or how do you, how do you, is there a, in a playbook or something that you you work off of or a team works off of to respond to to these kind of comments yeah I, i'm a firm believer if there's ever an ounce of doubt you hit them with a blunt force of truth so for example um delays and a lot of time delays weren't even our problem like even today like people customers are calling like where's my order at well fedex hasn't came to our facility so like there's only so much we can do so even if it's at fedex's fault because they haven't delivered they haven't brought their truck over you know, it's still our fault that we have to respond to that. So we have a detailed message for that specific comment. Um, there's a comments too, is like, Oh, I can build this bench and it's overpriced. All right. Well, if you, if you certainly think you can do that, use, this is how we build our benches. We use 11 layer laminate plywood from a CNC machine that costs a hundred thousand dollars. We use a high grade vinyl. We use high density contract grade, um, foam. And it's, we pay for shipping too. So if you can get all that done and pay for packaging and do those things and how we built it, engineeringly designed to support up to 800 pounds, then we welcome you to do it. Yeah, please do it. So, you know, we hit them with that. And then that typically silences the, the crowd and comments because people think that this can be done very easily, but a lot goes into these benches. And we want to make sure that everyone knows the level of quality and engineering 
it takes to make these benches and as fast as we do too. I mean, we've got it down to a science where we're making these benches, you know, under 30 minutes a pop. So it does take a lot of engineering and a lot of hands to make every single one of our products. Yeah, that's a good point though about how the, the kind of um, a common response. I mean, these people might not be your customers anyway, where they say like, "I can make this myself," or "I can just, you know, use a table or something or some other kind of home ingenuity that they can 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 come up with." Uh, how do you make sure that that kind of uh, the the quality and the the R and D, which is sometimes not you know, easily seen on the finished product. How do you make sure that that's all, all, uh, I guess uh, that kind of education is available for customers when they first visit it, visit your website there. How do you make sure they understand that the work that's involved in putting together the product? I think it starts with the PDP page, which is really important. And we've, our, our team has done a great job of detailing that out, um, designing a PDP from our, um, our marketing director, Jose, to our media buyer, you know, what, what really needs to be displayed, how that, how important it is to, to show the raw materials that we use. And I think secondly is, is YouTube, which is, um, you know, been, been a huge tool for us, you know, showing how these benches are made, showing how our products are made. And uh, again, given that human aspect that like, you know, we're making this here, your bench, this is how your product that you're, you know, investing in, this is how it's made. And this is the level of that's being going in, like the level of craftsmanship that's being done with these benches. Um, and we did that early. And you can look on YouTube how our benches are made. And it shows our factory, shows me, it shows us doing it there. It shows us, you know, with the engineer team, with our CADs and building this stuff out, um, which would typically take, you know, a year at least for any other person to, you know, travel overseas to go do an engineer you know, it's taken us a matter of days really to, to make and then days to innovate because we have our team here too. So just showing people, giving them a, a window view of, of um, our constant innovation and quality control and our measures that we take are, is, is truly vital and making it a story that people can buy into. And, and, you know, one of the other things about this kind of speed of, of manufacturing is, is that how do you know that the product, you know, I think, I think one of the things with when you have more time is like a lot of iterations, a lot of feedback loops and making changes to the product. You, it's not like you had to get something out there right away and maybe, um, you know, go with whatever your gut set or what you, what you guys determine internally, was this, a, was this a challenge just like getting feedback and ways to improve the product? Like how do you get that back into the product development process? Yeah, there's, there's been um, like for the resistance bands, there's been um, a learning curve and there's been some feedback on like the lengths and stuff. But you know, if you, if you watch our, our tutorials on YouTube, you can certainly get a better understanding of how to do that. As far as our bench goes, there's been like inquiry, a lot of inquiries, like, can you bench do this? Can you do this? Um, feedback, I would say um, there's been, there's been uh, not, not too much. I would say maybe how we can incorporate our, our products into like newer items, like how we can fit our squat board into our bench. But to be honest, I, I think the team has done a great job of like innovation. I can't stress that enough because like whenever we get a, uh, crazy wild hair idea, we go, we go right into, you know, um, application, for example, you know, leg extensions, you know, I always did leg extensions at the gym using, you know, this hefty big machine that had plates on it. And I'm like, well, I can actually build a leg attachment machine too here with our bench. So when we thought of this idea two weeks ago and we plan to have an accessory piece that comes with our benches in a matter of like 45 days. So, you know, we've been, I think, um, definitely have our ears close to the ground with our customers, but have been very keen on innovating the product as much as possible and testing stuff out there. Um, and we welcome, trust me, we welcome ideas with this bench because I, it, we, we truly believe this is just the tip of the iceberg of what we can do. And we have new products coming out as well. Um, I think one of the complaints that we get more often than not is I just bought this bench and you guys came out with this bench. Like, how can I upgrade? You know, that, that's been a, you know, a little difficult to, to navigate too, because people are, you know, they buy one variation. It's like when you get an Apple, you just buy or an Apple phone or an Apple computer, and then they want the brand new model. 
but we're doing that in a time span of, you know, 18, 19 months, we've come out with almost four innovations of the originally bent, original bench. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Now, when you first launched the, the the original product, the original version of it, you had mentioned that um, the marketing was just trying to get there as, out there as quickly as possible. Were you able to find something that just worked right, out, right away in terms of ads or ways to drive traffic to, to the website? Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was somewhat, it was fairly easy because of, of the the market, you know, people were selling resistance bands and, and I think the home, home fitness market vertical was, was very easy to tap into. Um, but what worked best for us was definitely like mashup videos last year was really helping just showing the versatility of the benches really helped out. Um, and UGC, that was a big part of, of, of the beginning phases and just getting it in people's hands and repurposing that UGC content, but really the the mashup videos and getting, you know, showcasing, you know, five, five, four, five different workouts in the first three seconds to show that it can be used for free weights, but definitely for resistance bands, for hit workouts, um, for stretching, for group fitness. You can take them outside. How how portable it was, just the benefits and showcasing that in very fast. Um, you know, frames and, and getting everything done in as quickly as possible. That that worked best for us. Mm. And when you got it out into into actual customers' hands, again, that user generated content. Were these like people that were buying it? And then, how did you? How were you able to encourage or get your community to create the user generated content of them using the product? Well, it actually came very easy to us at the time. We were actually being sought after from a lot of you know high profile people. Um, that were, Hey, this bench is cool. Do you work with influencers? So we, we got like a, a lift off when it came to the influencers and, and people that wanted to, to really leverage their followers and, and send us videos, which isn't easy, not only to, to get people to play along and participate, but to manage. Um, but we had an originally a good start, which gave us a little bit of credibility. Um, but it is a lot of work to, to get people to manage because you know, not only does it work to get people actually, you know, willing to, you know, open up their followings to it, but deliver good content that you can use. And they have to be experienced with it too. And of course they have to be authentic with it. I think that's the most important part is like, you can, you can kind of tell when someone's selling a product, but if they're using it in a very genuine fashion, it sells itself. So delivering, um, getting people to, to play along with the do's and don'ts of that is something that we really put a, a lot of effort into in the beginning stages of getting those content. And that, that's what we use a lot of the stuff. Like we have a lot of content of UGC stuff that we constantly repurpose. Mm, makes sense. So you, you saw this opportunity or in this necessity uh, back in early 2020, you kind of rode this wave of demand for home workout equipment. How do you s- sustain that today now that, you know, things are sort of getting back to normal? Maybe you're, you're, the, the initial market is not saturated, but a lot of people that needed this, this equipment early on was probably super desperate. How do you sustain the, the kind of the demand uh, from, from now on? That's your best question right there. I mean, as you can tell, the, the market's definitely softened up and you have people, um, you know, like Peloton and, and, you know, big players like that, that are hurting Beachbody, um, you know, their stock offerings. Um, the biggest thing for us is this community is going to be getting that content out where people make it a part of their regimen. And as we see today, it is part of their, their routine. People that are on our app currently, they're seeing it and building off that core community is, is our biggest um, asset and our biggest strength is where we need to grow from. So getting those, you know, several thousand people that are on our app right now, getting them to publish themselves, getting rewarding those people with the reward programs. Those people are our, our biggest strength when it comes to that. So in word of mouth, you know, everyone last year and probably this year loves to talk about their Peloton, loves to talk about, their favorite trainer. And, and that's what they, that's what they see. That's what motivates them too. So we have to replicate that blueprint and get people love in love with our trainers and love and how convenient it is to work out because 
and, and really showcase that because gyms are open and we're not advocating against gyms at all. But if you go to the gym six days a week, including the time it takes to get ready and travel and get, find the equipment and get set up with your earphones and go to locker rooms, you're going to be spending 12 to 15 hours a week at a gym. And is that really a beneficial time for you? And if you're a, a newly, a new father, a new mother, do you have the time allocated in your week to do that? Well, you can accomplish all that in 15 minutes and burn 300 calories with a hit workout. If you just turn your phone on with our Xeno bench. So, um, showing people the convenience of the hybrid lifestyle of working from home and wanting to go out. That's, that's another aspect to it, but also just building off of the, the core community that we've already established that we've established last year and this year with our subscribers. Yeah, so so it sounds like the this um the the core value proposition has shifted a bit. Where at first it was people that just needed home workout equipment to replace the gym. Now it sounds like the opportunities here is in the convenience. So for people that just don't have the time or don't want to travel, you know, thirty minutes each way, and then you know shower at a gym versus like doing this at home. Does that did that did that mean shifting the 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 marketing? Like what was involved in kind of absolutely. Almost like, yeah, propping up this new new you know, value prop. You're right. Last year there was a um, last year there was a void and there was a demand for our product. And now this year, people want to have our product. We have to make people want our product, and we have to showcase the convenience of that. So our demographic definitely has shifted. Last year it was 24 to 35 year olds. This year it's or, yeah 34 year olds. This year it's the 35-year-olds and 44-year-olds, the older demographic, the 30-year-olds who are still working from home um, and who are just having kids, um, actually more males now than it was last year. So our, our demographic has shifted and our, our messaging has shifted too. So we've seen that as well. And it's and um, it's based on the convenience factor and the inconveniences of going to gyms um, which, you know, that there are, there are a lot, you know, uh, being sick. Um, when I always get sick, it was because I would be using the water fountain or the inconveniences of seeing people or having to get ready or being comfortable. So having those inconveniences and showcasing those and kind of poking fun of has been, um, has been our strength and it's definitely different messaging when it comes to it. Yeah. What have you learned about this, this, this approach for any other listeners out there where they recognize that they either have to shift uh, to a different demographic, a new marketing message, or they want to kind of change the market they go after? What's the, what's the process been like to, to make this transition? So I'm sure there are still people out there that might be in the other demographic that you probably don't want to, not necessarily alienate, but you don't want to just not speak to them anymore. How do you make sure, how do you balance the, the, that, that transition? Yeah. I mean, there, I think there's, there's a lot of meats on the bone. Like for, for instance, you know, pregnant women, you know, how many pregnant women do you see at the gym? I mean, I'm sure there's, a, 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 you know, there's, there's people who are going to the gym if they're pregnant, but I mean, there's a, a level of comfortability being able to work at, at home when you're pregnant. And, and so, um, we don't want to neglect those people whatsoever too. We want to, we want to have, um, bring that peace of mind and being able to work at it at the convenience of your own home at your own time. So there's, you know, a, a chart, a dartboard that we have of demographics that we're going after and we're working our way from the middle to the outside. And of course we're keeping our eye on the, the, the middle target, but I think having that chart, and, and looking at those demographics and working your way from the inside out is the approach that we're taking. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's been, that's our strength. That's our, um, that's our strategy. So how were you able to identify these new opportunities? Because you is the way you describe it sounded pretty specific about, you know, 35 to 45 year olds that are still working from home that have kids or, or pregnant women that want the convenience and comfort of working out from home. How were you able to identify these almost specific descriptions of, of, um, of demographics that would be a good fit for your, your product? Well, I, I look at, I, I, first off, I look in the mirror and I see where I work at it and what, where I find convenience. And I think that working out from home has, has, you know, opened my eyes to the, to the level of conveniences of not having to go to the gym. So I haven't been to the gym in some time looking at emails, looking at customer, looking at customer inquiries. 
and also just picking up the phone sometimes and calling like randomly. I love doing that. I love talking and inquiring because as many questions as a customer I have, I have questions about their lifestyle. And so, and uh, the last part is we look at our most active subscribers on our app and we survey them and we survey their lifestyles, what time they work out, how often they work out. We see how often they work out, but what's their lifestyle? You know, um, are they living from home? What, you know, um, some questions about that. So we get a better understanding of our core demographic and we're finding that they are working from home. Um, a lot of them do have kids, so they have to stay at home while the other parent is, is at work because they may not have that option. Um, and they don't have the time to go travel to the gym or they don't want to be, um, you know, spend an hour and they get, they just want to get a quick 15 minute workout. And mostly is like the mindless workout. They want to check into a class and then not to worry or not to figure out their own program. Just, you know, have 20 minutes, 350 calories on a hit workout and there, and that's it. And I'm done and I'm ready to go do the next, you know, chore or whatever it may be, but just convenience has been, I think the most, the biggest eye awakening factor in this, in this home uh, fitness hybrid. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense that just some of these details, you can't look at the data and understand and almost have to talk to your customers to really under, put put yourself in their shoes and their kind of life. So that that's a great point. Um, so I want to talk a little about the website. So you had mentioned before about how the importance of like the product detail page and how that that uh, really uh, am- amplifies the value and the effort, the R&D that goes into to the product. Any other parts of the website that have had a big impact on conversions or things that you've, you've changed or tested that have, have, have had a big impact? Absolutely. Um, landing pages. Landing pages actually have a, a better um, conversion rate than our actual website. And it has to do with um, speed, of course, and um information and and also the ability to test on landing pages like like unbounce being able to just modify colors placements on the fly instead of having to you know work with the developer and do that has been um has been a big help for us for selling you know targeted products and we can test out when we want to um we want to push a product for margin purposes or for a higher AOV. We started out by, by using a landing page and then also custom landing pages. So when we run specific ads, you know, for that demographic that we're targeting for those ads or that what, what those ads are showcasing, who they're profiling in those ads, we're, we're mimicking that same persona, gender, age demographic on the landing page so we try to match it up and target a specific demographic and showcase a similar profile character through the landing through the ad and landing page all the way to the checkout can you say more about the landing page how is it different than uh, like an ad that would drop someone to like a product detail page it's i mean to be honest I, i i wish i wish i had an answer to like why it does work, but it's completely, it's a lot different from like our, our PDP page. So a landing page has, um, our PDP shows the product, but our landing page shows, you know, has, um, a hero image, but has a lot more copy. That's not so much like it has, of course, call to actions, but it doesn't have like the typical PDP layout. So it's more of a long form value prop based bench or you're not really having to click buttons and you're just simply scrolling people are accustomed to scrolling on instagram so it's long form it showcases how many workouts it has the versatility it showcases it has a section on the app it has a sections of like how much money savings you have so it's more of a storyboard than it would be a typical pdp page and it's, it's informative so um and then of course it has your call to actions in now in there but it has a lot more value information than it would just on product details. It, it has more of a storytell to it and it's the way it's laid out. It's completely long form. You're kind of leading the the viewer, the, the, the visitor to, uh, to, to the information rather than kind of allowing them to go on their own. Like you would typically have on like a product detail page. It just kind of lays everything out. And then you kind of have to, 
you know, do your own searching, but the landing page seems to be more like guiding and like, here's, look at this now and look at that now and so on. And, you know, leading them through, through, through the, the long form copy. Um, are, are there, are there any, you kind of talk a, a couple about a couple apps, a couple of services you use. You mentioned a firm, you mentioned Slack for communication, any other kind of apps or tools that you use to help run the business? Yeah, I think, um, one I'm going to, I'm going to you know, heavily say is recharge, recharge for subscriptions work very well for us. Their customer support team is, is great. Um, you know, we, we use Postscripts for SMS marketing, um, product upsell, and we have an email system with Clavio. Those are the, the, the big, you know, fundamentals. And then, um, I think for like administration, we use Avalara you know, for like taxes and stuff, because now with, each state and they're recording taxes and different parameters. That's, it is challenging, even though we have a, a CPA team, but having them just to handle the, the taxes is, is huge for us. Um, but yeah, then, you know, course reviews is something that's, we, um, we rely heavily on. So Yotpo is, is our, our review app. Awesome. So xenogym.com, Z-E-N-O-G-Y-M.com is a website. And I'll leave you this last question. What do you think is going to be the most important thing for you to personally focus on to get to the company to the, to the next level? Great question. I think that what we're going to do right now is um, we're going to hit, you know, this direct to consumer market is what we've been doing is what gave us the success and where we're at today. How we're moving forward is to build a brand in that community and expand that what we've already, what we've already acquired and what we're building on. But secondly is not deny uh, business to business because we have a very competitively priced product when it comes to other competitors, like significantly less expensive and actually more versatile. So we're, we're going to go after um, business to businesses, studios, um, going after like, you know, and I'm not saying we're, we're going after F45, but other boutique gyms and studios because people do want to go out and our product can be used for those as applications. So we are actually building out our own studio right now in San Diego and our own gym, but we're recording all that content. So we're building out um, because people are buying our, our gyms and our benches for their own studios. And we're like, people want to want to duplicate what, what they're doing at home. They're buying, you know, 15, 20 benches and putting their studios. So, all right, so now let's, let's build our own and show them how cool this could be if you, if you do this. So we want to go after the business to business market as well as continue to grow our, our community. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on, Will, and sharing your story and, and your advice. And again, Xenogym.com is a website. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing all of that. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed my time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.